All right, good morning. As you know, we have started a new series called The Story, and we're going through the whole Bible all the way up to Easter, and we're looking at the major stories of the Bible, and we're going to see how they connect with the story of the Bible, of God's redeeming plan of man. And so many of you, I know you've tried to maybe read through the Old Testament, and you just you got lost in it, and you're like, I just gave up. I'm just going to stick in the New Testament. But what we're encouraging you to do is to get the book, The Story, and uh, that's still available. You can pick that up, um, or you can, if you've got a Kindle or iPad, you can also get that book through those avenues. And uh, I encourage you to read that because each uh, chapter of the story is what we'll be doing on Sunday morning. So next week, read chapter three, and we're going to go over that. So this week, we're in chapter two of this wonderful, wonderful story uh, of the Bible and, and, and God speaking to man. Let me just say this this morning. As we were worshiping this morning, I was just thinking of this. Do you realize that you're not alone? Do you realize that you're never alone? That the God that created this universe, which we talked about last week, knows your name. He knows everything about you and he cares about you. And that's what I love about God, that, that even though we see this God that created the universe and created the stars and created the earth and created you and I, and we think he's so expansive and so big. And it's like, how, how can God actually know my name? But yet God actually does. And that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live among us and, and to be that person that can sympathize with us and sympathize with us in our weakness and knows everything about us, that we have that, that faithful high priest that we can go to with our needs and, and we can find help and mercy and grace in our time of need, that God does hear our prayers. Amen? Do you believe that? 830 crowd, are you awake this morning? Just checking. Okay. So what I want to do is I want to go into the second part. And last week we talked about uh, God's creation and how man rebelled against God. And God saw the wickedness of man and, and destroyed it with water except for Noah and his family. And Noah and his family were given the job to repopulate the earth. And what we will see in this next section of the story is, is God calling a man named Abram to uproot his family and what was familiar to him to follow and obey the voice of God. And so from this man, uh, God would build a great nation and from this nation would eventually come the Messiah that would ultimately rescue man from their sins. So let's jump right into Genesis again. Genesis chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there, look up at the screens. We're going to look at the first four verses of the calling of Abram, just as you saw in the video, and let's let's see what happens here. Starting in Genesis chapter twelve, it says, "The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you." We are a product of Father Abraham. You know why? Because I used to sing that in Sunday school. Father Abraham had many sons. Remember that? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Remember that? That was a great song. Okay. I digress to my Sunday school years. Okay. Verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. 
his nephew. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. How many know that God can call you even when you're 75? That was a good time for an amen, Ruth. All right, you missed it. I gave you an opportunity. Okay, so how many know that, that God never stops calling us? Amen. You, you, how many know that... This, okay, Ruth, you're a little late now, okay? How many know you never retire from the Lord? There, okay, Ruth knows. Calm down now, Ruth, okay? We got you now, okay. So here he goes. He's 75 years old. He sets out to this foreign land that he has no idea where he's going. He's just trusting the voice of... Of God, So he took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all his possessions, all they accumulated. They're 75 years old, and they're moving to a completely new place. This is insane. And so, and all the people they had acquired in here, and they set out to the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, I want to I jump over a couple uh, chapters into Genesis 15, 1 through 6. Because what happens here is the Lord, now they move, they go there, and they're like, okay, what do we do next? And so the Lord, through a vision, tells Abram not to be afraid. And this is what he says in Genesis 15, 1 through 6. He says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, I have, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So he's like, okay, you've led me all this way. You say that I'm going to create this great nation, which is wonderful, but I'm not getting any younger. And my wife Sarai is not getting any younger, and we don't have any kids. How is this going to happen? Verse 4 says, the word of the Lord came to him. He says, this man shall not be your heir, but the son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, here it is, ready? Verse six is just an incredible verse that can literally change your life and transform you if you understand it. Verse six, Abraham childless, old in his age, with his wife, did this. Abraham believed the Lord. Can I just say this? Anything is possible for those that believe in the Lord. He can change and transform any situation if you believe in the Lord. Do you believe that this morning? Here's what he says. He says, Abraham believed the Lord, and here's what happens. And he credited to him as righteousness. This verse should give every single one of us in this place hope. And I'm going to wrap this up when we get to the end of the message because I, I, my prayer is that this, that verse will transform your life. So here's what God does. God chooses to do a great work through Abram. And God would later make a covenant with Abram and change his name to Abraham. And from Abraham would come this great nation. And God would reestablish his purpose with Abraham, which was lost in Adam from the fall of man. So we can learn a lot from Abraham. And what we see here is God shows his grace to Abraham even when he didn't believe. Can I get an amen? Even when we don't believe, God can still show his 
grace on us. Thank God for God's patience with, with us. So what I want to do is unpack that last verse in, in chapter 15 and verse 6. Because this passage is incredible. And then what this passage says is, is that righteousness was credited to Abraham because of his belief. Now notice what it, it doesn't say. It doesn't say righteousness was given to him because of his good works. Because this is important. This is the basis for the teaching of our church. And this is the teaching of justification by faith and not works. Because here's the mistake we can make. We think that in my righteousness comes by the things that I do, the good things that I do. So I am righteous by the things that I do. So if I'm a good person, then, then I'm a righteous person or a holy person. The problem is the Bible tells us that we have all fallen short of God's perfection or his glory, that we are all sinners. So we can't obtain God's favor through my act of righteousness. Now, yes, Abraham believed God. He followed God's voice. But what changed him was his belief in God, that God was true to his word. And this comes through faith. It was Abraham's faith in God and his belief in him that God credited him righteousness. Now, this is before the law was even given, before all the do's and don'ts were ever given. Because of his faith in God and his belief in God, God credited his life as righteous. Now, notice, Abraham is counted righteous before he even proved himself, before he was tested. But God credits righteousness to Abraham based on his faith. God is looking for people who trust him by faith. What a wonderful picture of our relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, that we see in Abraham. We are made right with God through our faith in Christ Jesus. And all this is through God's unmerited grace to us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But yet God first reached out to us through his son, that he demonstrates his love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And we see this in Abraham. We are made right with God through our faith in Christ. All this is done through God's unmerited grace. So the bottom line is Abraham trusted God. So we can't earn God's love. We don't deserve his grace. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So you might be thinking, wait a minute, pastor, is, 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 is that it for, for Abraham? Well, I want you to realize as we get deeper into the story about Abraham, Abraham was tested. Abraham's faith was tested. How many of you know the longer you walk with the Lord, the more your faith is going to be tested? That God is gonna, God's going to test that belief because he wants to make you stronger. Just as, as gold is refined and the dross is taken out of the gold through fire, God will take us through those times of testing. Life isn't easy and Jesus never promised us a rose garden, right? Do I have to sing that song for you, all you old people, right? Never promised you a rose garden, right? He never, he never said everything was going to be perfect. In fact, Jesus says, I want to give you my peace. However, in this life, there will be tribulation and trials, but take heart, I've overcome the world, right? John 16, right? We, we know that it's, it's not amusing. Jesus never promised that. And if somebody comes up to you and says, being a Christian is the easiest thing in the world and it's such a blessing and nothing ever goes wrong, just slap them right there because it's not true. It's not true. We're going to go through testing and God allows those things to happen to test us. So Abraham was tested. His faith was tested. Yet it wasn't because of his works of, 
of his own righteousness that God credited his righteousness to Abraham. It was his faith and his belief. And then God will test that faith. And so the birth of this nation would come through this promise of a son that they were waiting for. So what's interesting about the life of Abraham was the faith that he had to trust God and the obedience to listen to his voice. Now, God tells us that Abraham had to leave Haran to travel to Canaan. So with his wife and nephew Lot, they leave for this foreign land. And the Bible tells us that Abraham was 75 years old. Now, you think, great, everything is just great, right? Well, life in Canaan will be great, they probably thought. My nephew Lot will serve God, and we will have children right away. None of those things happen. How many of you ever thought to yourself, my life really didn't kind of happen the way I thought it did many times, right? Life doesn't always turn out the way we think it will. And life in Canaan was not easy. And so what happens here? Well, they get to Canaan. There's a famine in the land. So they get there and there's no food. So now they've got to travel to Egypt to get food. Then Abraham... Uh, and Lot are separated. War breaks out. Lot is captured. Abraham has to go rescue Lot. And, and, now, and now they still have no children. Uh, there, there's this impatience that grew within them. And, and what happened, which was customary, they allowed their uh, servant Hagar to birth this child, which gave birth to Ishmael, which was not the promised son. And so what begins to happen is they get discouraged. It's like, what's going on? We, we, we're coming here, and now it's year after year, and just bad things have happened in our life. Pastor, I became a Christian. I put my faith in Jesus, and now all these bad things are happening. What's up with that? What is going on? 25 years have passed from when they left Haran. Still no children for Sarai. Abraham is now closing in on a hundred Sarah, Sarah at this point is 90, and they are thinking this is never going to happen. They are discouraged. Then God comes to Abraham and tells him that he will bear a child, that Sarah will bear a child, and he is to change her name from Sarah to Sarah, which means princess. And when Sarah heard this word, she began to laugh. Are you serious? I'm 90. I'm 90. I'm 90, right? And, and he says to trust God. And so here they're, they're believing God. It's been years since they trusted God to leave Haran. And here they, are, here they are still waiting for the promise. And it just seems hopeless. It just seems like there's no way out. Now, let's go back to Lot, because that's not the end of the story. It gets worse. Believe me, it gets worse than this. So let's go back to Lot. Now, Lot moves to Las Vegas. I mean, Sodom. And... Um, so he, he's, he's, he goes there, and if you know Sodom and Gomorrah, the name speaks for itself. God is going to destroy the city because of his horrid sin. And so now Abraham goes there to rescue Lot and his family. So he does. He gets them out of the city before God uh, burns, burns it up. And uh, Lot's wife, you remember the story, was not so lucky. She looked back, and then she was turned into a pillar of salt. And uh, so there was sulfur that rained down on that city and through archaeological studies they actually have found in that area a huge amount of sulfur deposits so if you don't think the bible is real it is real this stuff listen this stuff you just don't make up 
This stuff is better than any soap opera you will ever watch on TV. Now, so here's what happens. Um, They rescue Lot, and now Isaac is, is finally born. And you're thinking, great, end of the story. This turned out just wonderful, right? Well, not so fast. So finally, they wait all these years. They go to this promised land. They rescue Lot over and over again. And they finally get to this uh, get to this point where Isaac, the promised son, is finally born. God is testing their faith over and over and over again. And now God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son to him. Are you serious? We've waited this long to have this promised son that you've given us. And now you want us to offer him up as a sacrifice? I want you to look at Genesis 22, 1 and 2, because here's the here's the testing of Abraham. Here's where it gets really interesting. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham. And he says, here I am, he replied. And then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there, as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. So here's here's what's interesting about this. Not only did Abraham have to trust God, but Isaac wasn't a little itty-bitty baby. Isaac was old enough to understand what was going on. They think Isaac could easily have been a teenager at this time. Isaac was old enough to go to know what's going on. So not only did, did Abraham have to trust God, with offering his son unto the Lord, but also Isaac had to trust his dad that he knew what he was doing. So, so here they go, and they, they trek off to this place, and, and Isaac's not sure what's going on, but he's trusting his dad. Abraham's trusting God, and they go off to do this very thing, this, this promised son that was given to them, and God asked them to offer this son to him. He, here's... Let, let me just bring it to us here today where, where we live here today. There may be some of you sitting here today and you've been to a point in your life where you had to truly trust God and completely go out on a limb to trust him and to believe in him. See, the problem with my life, Barton Gerace, so many times I want to be in control of my life. I, I want to be the one that calls the shots, right? If, if, you're, if, if you have any, any inkling of a, being a control freak in your life. You want to schedule life from the time you wake up to when you go to bed and you've got it all set and you've got it all planned. But how many of you know that the testing of your faith and the, and the, and the authenticity of your walk with God will be tested at time? And God sometimes allows us to go through these times of testing so that we, he begins to reveal to us what we really do trust. Because listen, for man... We think that we're so in control of everything. Yet God's word is very simple and very specific. That he says, who are you to know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day? Who of you think you know what you're going to do next year or the year after that? Let's be careful that we're not so in control of our lives that we leave God out of it. Because many times God wants to take us to a place in our life where he wants to develop that perseverance in our life that we're truly trusting him. 
Our life is a vapor, the Bible says, that's here one moment and gone the next. And God says, do you really trust me? Do you really, really trust me? Are you willing to hand those things over to me, to give them back to me, the things that I've given you? Are you willing to trust me with those things that I'm gonna know what's best? Because when you think of the situation, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. But what God was doing was, he was doing something very deep in Abraham's heart. Do you really trust me, Abraham? Are you gonna take that trust walk with me? Are you gonna take a step of faith to really believe that I'm gonna do this deep work in your heart? And so he took the most precious thing, the most precious thing in his life, and he says, are you willing to give that thing to me? Listen, listen, listen to me, people. Are you willing to give the most precious thing in your life to the Lord? Are you willing to trust God with it? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. If we're not willing to trust God, then what we do is we hold on to it ourselves and we think we're in control of everything. And for some of us here today, we need to say, God, I've got to give you my jobs. I've got to give you my children because I walk in so much fear. I have to give you my marriage. I've got to trust you with that. I've got to trust you with my very life. Some of you here and you're like, man, pastor, I need a job. I've got to trust God that he's going to supply that need to, 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 to supply me with employment or to, or to meet my financial needs. Or I'm going through a very difficult health issue right now and I just got to trust God. Are you willing to trust God? Are you willing to give those things that are most precious to you, to the Lord and lay them at his feet? You see, that's where true obedience comes. And see, see, listen, listen, listen. God called Abraham. And Abraham listened and he moved. But I want to show you something that really showed that Abraham trusted God with his whole heart. It wasn't just lip service. This was something that really showed that Abraham trusted God. So I want to, I want to move into the second part of the story here in Genesis 22 because this is where it gets real. This is where the rubber meets the road. It says, when they reached the place in Genesis 22, 9 through 14, here they finally get there, they get to Mount Moriah, and when they reached the place where God had told them about, Abraham built an altar, he arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him and said, Abraham, Abraham. See, his son Isaac said, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Where's the offerings? And he lays his own son, the promised son. He lays him on the altar. And Abraham cried out. He says, here I am, he replied. He said, don't lay a hand on that boy. Don't lay a hand on that boy. Do not do anything to him. And listen to what the Lord says. Now I know that you fear God. It's, it's not this 
kind of feared that, God, I'm so fearful that you're going to strike me uh, down with lightning at any moment because I'm going to make this mistake. And sometimes we walk in this relationship with God that we feel like every single mistake I make, God is going to do something. And every bad thing that happens into my life, that's because of God and he's disciplining. He doesn't like me. He doesn't care about me. And, you know, I've just made so many mistakes. But see, he says, I know that you fear God. This is out of reverence for the Lord. What God is saying Abraham, I know that you're not going to hold anything back from me because I'm taking the thing that's so precious. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And then Abraham looked, and there in the thicket he saw a ram and, and caught it by its horns. All of a sudden, there's a ram? All of a sudden that shows up? That was God saying, now I'm going to make the provision for you because I know you trust me. And all of a sudden, I think that ram just appeared out of nowhere. It just blink. It was there. And so Abraham goes, takes the ram, and sacrifices as a burnt offering instead, instead of his son. So Abraham calls the place. Abraham calls the place. What does he call it? The Lord will provide. And to this day... On that mountain, the Lord will provide. Because if you fast forward 2,000 years from that very time, God offered his very own son. What's the connection to the story? You say, Pastor, that's a neat story within itself. But it has so much bigger mourning. Here's the overarching story to this very story is that 2,000 years from that very time, God will offer his son for you. Then he says, do you believe my son? My son is going to take your place and your sin and your suffering and I will give him for you and I will provide this for you. You see, my question for you is this. Was Abraham's life easy? No. Did Abraham still have to trust God? Yeah. But I want you to listen to these two statements. It was Abraham's faith and trust in God that made him righteous but listen to this. But it was the testing that made it authentic and genuine. Listen, we can have two classes of Christians. Christians that just act like Christians, talk like Christians, drive Christian cars, live in Christian homes, do all that stuff, right? There's this cultural Christianity, right? We all know that, right? There's We know the talk. We've gone to church, blah, 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 blah right? Everything's Christian, right? We know it. But then there's another set that God really wants us to be. And those are the authentic and genuine Christians that are saying, God, I'm going to obey you irregardless. That life isn't easy, but I know that you're good. And I know that you will provide for me. And I know ultimately that you have provided your son Jesus for me, no matter what my circumstances may dictate in my life. You see, Peter echoes this in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 and 7, where he says, in all this, greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer griefs and all kinds of trials. These have come that they may be proven genuineness of what? Your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. What's going to happen is when we see Jesus for who he is, we're going to say it was worth it all. It was worth it all because I know what you were doing in me, Jesus. 
So here's how this story fits in God's story of redemption. Abraham, by faith, was willing to give his son to God. What is true faith? True faith always results in obedience. And this story foreshadows exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. And the way we come to the saving knowledge of God is through Jesus, by placing our trust and our faith in him. So Abraham calls that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, on that mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And here's my challenge to you this morning. Here's my call to you. What are you facing today? What, What obstacle are you facing today? Where is your challenge today? I want to tell you that God, what he's designed for you to do is to lay that thing at his his feet and say, God, I'm willing to give this to you. I'm going to lay this down at your feet. I I just don't want to be this surfacey Christian that that just, I know about Jesus. Yeah, I know all the Christians. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But but God, I want you to do a deeper work. I, I want your work to be genuine. I want your work to be authentic. And, and I know that that, con- that can only come, that can only come through the testing of my faith. And so whatever trial you're faced with here today, I want you to know that you're not alone, that the Lord does provide for you through his son. That the Bible says that we can cast all our cares at his feet because he cares for us. That doesn't mean that that's the magic pill and then tomorrow everything's going to be all hunky-dory and nice and lollipops and roses and, you know, potpourri and cotton candy, right? I don't know why I just said all that, but it sounded good. Um, it's, it's not. It may not. It may not. It may not. But here's the thing. The Lord said, I will provide. And I will, I will walk with you through it. And, and, and I, will, I will give you peace to get through it. And I will give you a deeper joy than you will ever experience from anything in this world. I will give you a greater joy than anything that you will ever experience in this world. But you, you've got to trust me. And, and I, I think for us, listen, 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 as we wrap this up, I think for us, we've been hurt in so many ways and, and we blame God in so many ways for the things that have happened in our life. And what we do is as a defense mechanism, we just want to protect ourselves. We want to shield our heart. I'm not, I did that before, Pastor, and I got hurt. I'm not getting hurt again. And so what we do is we get so far with God, and then, and then we hit this wall, and we wonder why we're miserable, and wonder why we're not finding any joys, because we're not allowing ourselves to become vulnerable before the Lord again. And God says, listen, in order for me to do that deep, authentic work in your life, you got to go all the way to the mountain. you got to go all the way. Abraham didn't stop. He went all the way to the mountain. And when he finally got to the very end, to where he was going to give his son, the Lord stopped and says, now I'm going to provide for you. I know that you fear me. I know that you trust me. So this is a call for commitment 
on your hands. Whether or not you've got to come to the Lord and lay your life down to him today or whether or not it's a circumstance in your life that you've, you've got to go to the mountain with the Lord. But when you go all the way, at the end, you're going to find Jesus. You're going to find him there. And he says, I'm going to give you the strength to endure. And you're going to have a much deeper relationship with me. You're going to find that peace and joy that you've been looking for when you completely give yourself to me. So Lord Jesus, right now, I pray for every heart in this place today. Lord, I I don't know what the challenge is in any individual life here, but you know, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would go to the mountain today. That we would go all the way to Mount Moriah, Lord, that place where you will provide. That we wouldn't stop short. That we wouldn't give up. That we know at that mountain we're going to find that provision. We're going to find Jesus. We're going to find the peace that we need to endure and we can't do it without you. So, Lord, I pray for every heart here today, no matter what the challenge is, no matter what they're going through today, that you would reveal yourself to them, Jesus, in such a real and authentic way. And we thank you for your word here today, God. I thank you for every heart here today, that you would speak to them, Jesus, that you would speak to their hearts and their situations and let them know they don't have to walk it alone. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Here's what I want you to do. We're going we're gonna to sing this song in closing.